Listener Production. Hey there, welcome to The Briefing. I'm Bencion Siebert. An election in Taiwan has made China very, very unhappy over the weekend. And it's important to talk about because the worst case scenario for how this turns out is big and scary for Australia and the world. In this episode, we'll take you through the massive stakes. But first, the basics. Taiwan is an island off the east coast of China. It operates as a self-governing democratic country for now, but China claims Taiwan as part of its territory. Chinese President Xi Jinping has not ruled out using military force to bring it under Chinese control. US President Joe Biden has previously hinted that the United States may defend Taiwan with its military. Over the weekend, Taiwanese voters elected a man China has described as a troublemaker and a, quote, war maker as its next president. Here to talk us through what the election means and what we can expect going forward is Dr. Roger Lee Huang from Macquarie University, and he joins us from Taiwan. Roger, welcome. Tell us why Australians need to care about the election that happened over the weekend in Taiwan. Well, I think there are a lot of various reasons we go into. Um, one, I think, is the obvious economic political factor. Um, Taiwan is uh, the world's largest semi, uh, semiconductor producer, right? So the large majority of the, uh, the ch- you know chips that we use in our mobile phones, refrigerators, televisions, what you have it, uh, is produced and manufactured in Taiwan. So that's something like 90 plus percent of the, the highest end of microchips. And even you know within the whole microchips, I think something like 60 plus percent. And the other uh, clear uh, factor is the uh, basically the political systems, right? Um, Taiwan is a highly uh, successful, vibrant democracy. So will the new president have full control over the government? Because I understand it's a minority government that's been elected. So at the election on Saturday, you, people actually uh, vote for three different items. They vote directly for the president. They vote for their uh, local kind of uh, member of parliament. And then they have a party vote, voting for the party, which then is uh, distributed based on the proportion for another uh, list, party listed MP. Uh, what has happened is that the ruling party has lost a lot of its seats in the, in the legislative branch. Um, this means that there's a potential of a divided government where the legislative branch might make it a little bit difficult for the president-elect and his new administration on several key issues, uh, especially, uh, and, and, and at least for our listeners, this might have implications, uh, potential implications to Taiwan-US, Taiwan-Australia, and Taiwan-China relations over issues such as trade deals, military, uh, arms sales, etc. Who is William Lai, who's just been uh, elected president, and what does China think of him? So Dr. Lai Qingde was trained actually as a medical doctor. So he was a medical doctor for a few years. And then during the uh, 1996, the first uh, direct presidential election in Taiwan, China threatened Taiwan with the, the uh, what we refer to as a Taiwan missile crisis. Uh, so you know, China had conducted large military exercises and flew its missiles near Taiwan waters. And was this, this turning point that uh, Lai Qingde decided he wanted to participate in politics and help build and support Taiwan one's democracy. Uh, and since then, he has been a very successful politician, winning uh, a various different political offices from very from the grassroots. He was a councillor, uh, mayor, he was a legislative Yuan, which is basically an MP, uh, and uh, a premier. 
and then vice president, and of course, uh, after Saturday's electoral results, now the president-elect. So he has a long career in, in politics, uh, really from the ground up. Um, so he has a natural kind of understanding, I think, of, of you know of society. He has a you know he has worked with his electorates for various years, and again at very different levels. Now he used to be perceived, I think, as more of a kind of a pro-independence supporter. Now the Democratic Progressive Party, that is the ruling party, does have a historical foundation uh, as more of a pro-independence, that is the independence of Taiwan formally, which would lead to the uh, name change of the country as well. Taiwan's official name is actually Republic of China. And how important is Taiwan to China's president, Xi Jinping? Now, this is a difficult question uh, in many ways because it's not just Xi Jinping, of course, right? Uh, the, the, the PRC's claim over Taiwan really emerged from back to the Chinese Civil War, where the, the Chinese Nationalist Party, the KMT, uh, fled China and established its kind of political base in Taiwan. Now, I don't want to uh, obviously go into too much details, but the People's mm-hmm. Republic of China has never actually governed or, or, or a Mr. Taiwan at all. So there's always this debate, right? What do we mean by Taiwan as being part of China? Uh, and they like to go to kind of historical context saying, you know, it was, you know, featuring a map in the, you know, several hundred years ago, this and that. But the political reality is that Taiwan has gone through its own kind of political changes for several uh, several centuries. It had a history of colonization by the Spanish, by the Dutch, um, more recently by the Japanese. And some would even claim that the, the KMT, the Chinese nationalists that fled China uh, in 1949 are in some form colonizers of Taiwan as well. So the way that I understand it, Lai Ching-de is a candidate who's previously said some quite strong things about uh, independent Taiwan, but he's moderated since. So let's talk about what the the implications might be for the world. Why does the US care so much about Taiwan? So the first thing uh, to go back is that Lai Qingde and in fact the other two presidential candidates have really all kind of committed to follow the current president Tsai Ing-wen's uh, kind of path when it comes to how to maintain Taiwan's uh, kind of you know de facto independence while not trying to I guess directly confront or provoke China's reaction. So uh, under President Tsai Ing-wen, she has these four commitments again, pretty much the same thing I've kind of discussed. It's a, you know four commitments: is a commitment to a free and democratic constitutional system, that is the Republic of China's constitutional system, and that basically this commitment also says that ROC Taiwan and PRC China should not be subordinate to one another. So they should have kind of equal kind of uh, position when, if ever there is negotiations. Now, again, the other commitments is to resist kind of uh, annexation invasion by China to kind of uh, hurt Taiwan's sovereignty. And finally that, and this is key, that um, the final commitment is that any decision whether Taiwan remains as it is, whether it you know potentially become a genuine independent uh, Taiwanese state or unify with China, that this must be decided by the people, right? So it still has to be, and people, obviously, the citizens of Taiwan. So there has to be a democratic process if anything happens that change the so-called status quo. Now, the second uh, issue, of course, like, like I've said, is, chi- uh, is Taiwan's economic importance and its role in the global supply chain, particularly the, um, you know, the sem- semiconductor chips. Uh, again, given that uh, it's, it's huge kind of almost a monopoly 
of this of the most sophisticated chips. Uh, any kind of disruption to this will have serious implications for the global economy, not just for the U.S., of course. What would happen if uh, overnight, for example, Taiwan stopped producing these chips? Yeah, I mean, effectively, most of the uh, the high kind of, well, any any really uh, industry that requires the use of chips would be forced to stop. And this actually has kind of happened during uh, some of the worst lockdowns uh, during the early kind of years of the, the COVID pandemic, when Germany had to suspend its automobile uh, manufacturing assembly line because uh, it was not getting chips from Taiwan fast enough, to, based again due to disruptions from lockdowns and other kind of disruptors of the the the, the uh, supply chain. So this has actually happened where uh, when Taiwan wasn't producing fast enough or wasn't exporting fast enough to countries that rely on these chips, it actually stops things being made. And how close are we realistically to seeing a potential war between China and the U.S. over Taiwan? Now, I don't want to uh, ever dismiss the potential of conflict, but I do think uh, uh, that there is an exaggeration of, of this, this supposed timeline, right? So China has really, again, since the end of the Civil War in 1949, have consistently pretty much said the same thing. I mean, it had its own domestic issues up until the 70s and 80s, but really since this opening up the Chinese economy, they have really included Taiwan in this discussion as kind of really needing to push for this reunification, right? Or unification, rather, uh, or annexation <laughs> in, in other ways. Um, but we haven't really seen any genuine move towards a, an all-out war, right? Not, not like what we've seen in Russia and Ukraine, where countries, you know, that were actually paying attention realized war was happening because the Russians actually mobilized its troops to the border. Now, China, of course, has built up the capabilities of the People's Liberation Army. It now has effectively the world's largest navy. It has over a thousand missiles pointing, aiming at Taiwan for the last 20 years. So yes, the, the military balance has changed significantly, but we haven't seen any actual evidence of an all-out conflict because one, um, there's no certainty that an all-out conflict, China will win this, this war, even though there are a lot of analysts going saying the US uh, can no longer compete with the PLA, but the PLA hasn't had any genuine, uh, genuine war experience. And other issues to consider, of course, is the economic implications, right? So if China does, uh, you know, invade Taiwan, then this will bring a stop to the global trade. This will hurt not just the US, Australia, or Taiwan's own economy, but also China's own economy, given that at the moment, China's economic uh, situation is pretty, pretty dire. And it's actually trying to revive its trade relationship or trying to kind of push forward again its trade relationship with European Union as well as the US and other countries. So any kind of outright conflict will also have a serious disruption to Chinese's own way of life and their uh, prosperity. Well, here's hoping that that doesn't happen. Dr. Huang, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. That was Dr. Roger Lee Huang from Macquarie University and an expert in the politics of Southeast Asia. And that's all we have time for, but the briefing will be back in your feed from 6am tomorrow. If you're liking what you're hearing, let your friends know about the briefing, which you can get anywhere you listen to podcasts. Like and subscribe and follow us on Instagram via The Briefing Podcast. I'm Ben Siebert. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining me.